So if you're just joining us uh, this evening, we are in week three of a new series, and the series is entitled Overcome. We're going to be trekking through the life of Jacob, and uh, we pick up tonight at uh, a few chapters into the story, and our title of our series is The Bargain for Blessing. You know, I was thinking about that this week because our ladies uh, went away for a women's getaway. I know among the four churches, there was like a hundred or something women, and a lot of you here went there, and you're back. And you made it to church, so you get a star, a gold star. Um, congratulations. I don't know what you want to do with the star, but you can have a star. And uh, we're really glad that you made it here. But I was, I was processing this, you know, the idea of bargaining for our blessings, right? How we want to receive blessings. Uh, we want good things to happen. And so we will strive and we will try to bargain for them to get what we believe we deserve and what we really want. And when I was thinking about that and then I was thinking about my weekend and I knew that Jessica was going to go uh, to the retreat on Saturday and I was going to be with Roman all by myself. Um, I was prepared to bargain yeah. a lot. Um, I was nervous, you know, because uh, he is uh, he's a handful. He's awesome and he's fun. We actually had a great day. I didn't have to bargain too much, but I was fully prepared. We went to a party and I was taking a Metro mover. And I had the stroller, and I'm telling you, I had everything with me. Like, I, ha I was thinking of every little thing that could happen along the way. What kind of toys do I need to bring? What snacks do I need to bring? I'm way overprepared. Um, but we got there. He was good because he's obsessed with trucks now. So he just saw trucks the whole way, and he was good. Playing the party, we came back. He slept, which was amazing. And we made it through the night. We walked around City Center for about an hour and just walked around. Uh, so I did whatever I could to make sure that it would be a blessed day for me. It would be a positive experience. I was real nervous, though, and I was fully ready to, uh, to do whatever was necessary to bargain for my happiness and my sanity throughout the day. But I made it through. And, you know, while I was processing and thinking about that, it's not just simply in, like, little things, right? Like watching your child and making sure that uh, you have a day where you're capable of not going uh, crazy. I, know, I realize now I have the easier job, right? <laughs> I have a much easier job than watching uh, a child all day long. Uh, mothers and, and have a very incredible uh, blessing and responsibility. It's, it's, it's a lot. But I was thinking about that. I was thinking about my life, right? And not just simply in, in superficial and small experiences like that. But just in life in general. I want good things for myself. And I will strive for them. And one of the things that happens in my life is that I recognize and I realize that a lot of times I'm moving and I'm doing things to achieve blessings and goodness and manufacture goodness in my life, and I'm not trusting God. Does that happen to you? Where you're like, I deserve this. I need this. I want this. And I'm going to do whatever is necessary. And then sometimes maybe we'll give God credit on the back end. But we're not starting from that position of really trusting God and asking him in the process, God, whatever you do, this is something that's a desire of mine, and I'm going to work towards it. But if you give me something different, I know that you're good and you're faithful and you're loving. Sometimes I don't come from that place. And I'll do what's necessary, like in our story tonight with Jacob, to try to get what I think I need. And that's what happens here, right? Previously, right before what we picked up in our, our passage, um, Isaac is acting a lot like his father Abraham. He is uh, settling in a foreign land, and as he's in this foreign land, he acts just like uh, Abraham did, and he, he passes off his wife as his sister. Uh, he's afraid of what may happen to him 
if people realize that it's his wife. And so he passes her off as his sister. And, and some, a period of time goes by, the king of the Philistines, Abimelech, realizes that Isaac is actually married to Rebekah. This is not his sister. And he gets angry with Isaac, and then he pronounces that no one should touch Rebekah because people were probably thinking, oh, that is Isaac's sister. We can make advances. Maybe there's a way that Rebekah could become my wife. And so he says, I don't want any guilt to fall on our heads as a people for, take, for someone taking your wife, assuming it was your sister's. And what happens after this is actually Isaac becomes very blessed by God. Which is funny because his acts are not honorable, right? He's concerned with himself. He's concerned with his own blessing. He's concerned with maintaining a certain image and keeping his life in check. And he goes about it in the wrong way, and yet God blesses him. And then as he kind of receives his blessing and continues forward in his life, his children grow up. Well, last week we saw that he has twins. Their names are Jacob and Esau. And God has chosen Jacob, the younger, and not Esau before they were born, that Jacob would actually be the leader of the family. And last week we saw how Jacob deceives his brother Esau to take his birthright, which is the rights and the privileges that the oldest son is supposed to receive. So he gets a double portion of his inheritance. He becomes the leader of the family. He receives a lot of tangible benefits from having the birthright. And he manipulates Esau into giving him the birthright for a bowl of soup. So he has the birthright, and they've grown up now, and they're about 40 years old, Esau and Jacob, and now Isaac is about to die. He's on his deathbed. And as he's on his deathbed, he comes to his favorite son, which is Esau. Even though he knows Jacob is chosen by God, his favorite son is Esau, and we read in the text why his favorite son is Esau, because Esau is a hunter, and Esau kills animals that are really delicious, and he makes a good meal. He's literally driven by his stomach, and so he says, Esau, he brings him into the room, and he says, as you know, I'm, I'm on my deathbed. I don't know how much longer I got here. Can you please go out and hunt and bring back some of that delicious food that I love? And then I will bless you, right? And so there's a birthright and there's a blessing. We're going to see how those things are a little different. So the blessing is still going to be given to Esau, even though Jacob has the birthright, even though Isaac realizes that Jacob is the one that is chosen. He says, go, go hunt some animals, come back with a delicious meal. I'm going to eat of it. We're going to spend some time together. And then I'm going to give you the blessing. So Esau goes out. But what happens is Rebekah... Isaac's wife, who loves Jacob, is listening, right? She's outside the tent. She's listening in. She hears what's happening. She realizes that Isaac is about to give the blessing to Esau. And so she goes to Jacob, who is the younger son that is chosen by God. And she loves him more. And she says, listen, here's what's going to happen. Let's craft a plan. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go take two young goats, some really delicious goats, and I'm going to make this meal. I know exactly how Esau cooks. I'm going to cook a meal just like he would make, and you're going to go in, and you're going to pretend to be Esau. And when you go in there, you're going to bring this food, and you're going to receive the blessing instead. Isaac, your father, is going to think he's giving it to Esau, but in fact, you're going to receive it because you're going to pass yourself off as Esau. And that's where we pick up here in verse 18. And here's what it says. It says, he, Jacob, he went into his father Isaac and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, 
your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. As, as we saw last week, like Jacob, like he's not patient at all, right? He's like, I'm Esau, here's the food, sit up, eat the food, give me the blessing, right? Last week, as, Jake, as Esau comes in from the field, he says to him, oh, you want some soup? Okay, here's the soup, give me the birthright first. Like, he's very straightforward. So he comes in, he's like, I'm Esau, here's the food that you wanted, eat the food, give me the blessing. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly? Right, like this just happened, I mean, normally it takes you much longer than this to go out there and to hunt and to create a meal. How in the world were you able to bring this meal back so fast? And he answered, because the Lord your God has granted me success. Because this is what God wants, Isaac. He wants you to bless me. And he, so he, I went out there, I found an animal really quickly, and I killed her, and I, I brought back, and I made the stew, I made your whole meal, I got the wine, I got everything ready for you, because God wants uh, to to honor this time. You gave me success when I was out there. But what you're going to begin to see is that Isaac is thinking about this because he knows what happened, right? He knows what happened years and years ago when Jacob stole the birthright. And he's thinking to himself, could this be happening again? And so Isaac said to Jacob, please come near to me that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Now, part of the plan that Rebecca and Jacob had was that, listen, you're, you're, you can't just go in there and bring the food because he is going to know and he's going to start to sense that maybe something is up. He knows your ways, Jacob. So what you're going to do is you're going to put on Esau's clothes and you're actually going to put on the skin of goats with the hair on top, on your arms and on your neck. Right? So we know that Esau, whose name means Harry, literally felt like a goat. So he's wearing goat skin with hair on top, on his neck, on his arms. He's wearing Esau's clothes, and he has the food. And so Isaac, who's starting to ask questions, says, hey, come here to me so that I can feel you. Because we read about Jacob has very smooth skin. Right? So he's wondering if he can feel, if he can use this sense of feeling to tell. And so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who fell to him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but his hands are like Esau. His hands feel like a goat, which is what Esau felt like. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau. So what we understand in this, this sequence and this situation here is that on his deathbed, Isaac's eyes are probably failing him. Right? The room is probably dimly lit. He's having a hard time seeing, and so he doesn't really know who he's looking at. He knows someone's there, and he hears that the voice is not Esau's. He hears Jacob's voice. But he's beginning to question his hearing. Right? He's, he knows that he's in his last moments, his last days, his last period of life, and his senses are failing him. So he's going to use the senses he has left to determine whether or not Jacob is passing himself off as Esau. And so he can't really tell with his eyes, but he hears that it's Jacob. So he looks first looks to feel. And as he feels, he says, well, this is what Esau feels like. And then it says, so he blessed him. This is not the blessing. This is just greeting. He's greeting him. He's, he's saying, 
Okay, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. So here's the next step. So he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him the wine and he drank it. So the next one, he's going to taste the food. He's going to see, okay, I know what my son's food tastes like. And I'm going to see if this is in fact Esau's style of cooking. So he eats the food and he drinks the wine. But he's still confused. Tastes like Esau's food. He feels like Esau. Doesn't sound like Esau, but he can't really tell with his eyes. And his father Isaac said to him, Come near to me and kiss me, my son. So he came near to him, and Isaac smelled. Now he's using his nose to smell of his garments. And then he blessed him. So the last thing was he said, You know, I can't tell with my eyes. My ears are throwing me off because it sounds like Jacob. He feels like Esau. The food tastes like the food that Esau makes. And now when I've come near to him and I've smelled him, he smells like Esau, which means he had a very distinct smell. And so what happens in Isaac's mind is he said, this must be Esau. Maybe the Lord did grant him success. He found the animal really fast. He came home. He whipped it up. And now we're here. And here's the moment that I told him was going to happen where I'm going to bless him. And it says he blessed him. So it has worked. He has successfully deceived his father, and he is now going to claim the blessing along with the birthright. As Chris Stapleton, the famous country singer, said, he said, you see my share of broken halos, folded wings that used to fly. They've all gone wherever they go, broken halos that used to shine. You see, Isaac, who was once a very powerful and strong man and leader, the forefathers of our faith, he is broken. He is like a broken halo. He's not able to determine. He's being deceived by his son, Jacob, with his clever ways. And so Isaac said to Jacob this, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And so I'm telling you, like Esau cannot buy a break, guys. Like he feels like a goat. And now he smells like a field, which the Lord blessed, which means he smells like a field with a lot of animals in it. Um, so Esau is not someone you want to spend too much time around. Uh, he says, see, this is my son. He smells like a field, and he feels like a goat. And may the Lord give you, this is the blessing, may the Lord give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. So he's praying here. The first part of the blessing is he's praying financial blessing and prosperity over who he believes is Esau, but it's in fact Jacob. See, the, the birthright which gives the, the owner of it the inheritance that the father has earned in his lifetime and gives him the position of leadership and responsibility over the family. However, the blessing is different. The blessing is what is going to happen in your life. There's uniqueness with it. And so here, Isaac is praying this blessing over Jacob, who he believes is Esau, and he says, May God bless you richly, financially. May you prosper. May you eat of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven and plenty of grain and wine. And then he says, Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. He's praying national blessing and dominion. He's saying, You're not just going to be like a ruler of a family. I'm blessing you that you might rule a nation, that people may serve you, that you might be a leader of God's people, and that you might be blessed in this. And then he says, be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Now this is interesting, because Isaac knows 
that Jacob has the birthright. And so Jacob is to be the leader of the family. And here he prays a blessing over who he believes is Esau, and he goes against God's desires. He goes against the birthright. And he says, actually, may your brothers serve you. I know Jacob is the chosen one, and he's supposed to lead the family, and he has the birthright, but I'm actually going to pray that you lead the family and your brothers. But as we know, this is Jacob who's receiving it. He doesn't value the birthright. And in his last days, Isaac is rejecting the things that God has revealed to him. However, as is evident in the story, you can never change the plans of God. You can never change them. And so lastly, he says, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. He's literally praying here the blessing of Abraham over Jacob. So he's saying, may you be blessed as Abraham, your grandfather, was blessed. And as I was blessed when I went you know, to this foreign land and passed off my wife as my sister, and yet God still richly blessed me. May you be blessed, and may those who curse you be, per be cursed. May you continue forward this covenant that God made with Abraham, that your descendants would be prosperous and be like numerous as the stars in the sky. And so here it is done. Jacob has both the birthright and the blessing. And despite Isaac's efforts to alter that, which he wants to do, he wants to alter the things that God has revealed to him, despite his efforts, he is incapable of doing that. See, there's something deeply encouraging that we find here in this section of the story, and that's that we can never change God's plans. Never. We can try really hard. We can believe in our mind that we're capable of changing God's plans. But regardless of if what we do is good or whether of what we do is not, we are never going to change God's plans. God is going to work in our behavior. He's going to work through our behavior. And he's actually even going to redeem our sin, as we see here, right? Isaac does not want to follow after the things that God has revealed. And Jacob comes in with this deceptive, manipulative tactic to get the things that he thinks he needs and he believes are his. And yet God works in and through that, and he redeems it for his plan. We talked about last week, you know, from our limited perspective, it can seem in our life like the things that God is doing are not good, right? You know, we all feel like that a lot of times, like God is cruel or he's uncaring. And we spoke about how, from our perspective, just because we can't see God's reasons doesn't mean there aren't reasons. And that God is actually always good, and he's always loving. We may not understand the method, and we may struggle with why, but the reality is in our life we will see it play out, that God is constantly and continually working good in our life, and he is faithful to us. But there's another dimension here to that truth, that the plans of God are good and loving, and he is faithful to you, and that's that you cannot mess them up. That's important to understand, right? Sometimes we think, I know God is good, I believe God is good, I believe he's loving, and I believe he's powerful, but maybe he's punishing me, right? Maybe he's punishing me because of what I did, or maybe he's punishing me because I've been running from him for years, or maybe he's punishing me because of that decision last weekend, or that thing that happened a couple months ago, or the fact that... I don't feel as if I'm like a good follower of God. Maybe he's punishing me. Maybe I'm more like Esau than Jacob, right? Maybe I'm just going to narrowly miss my blessing. 
time and time again because maybe I'm not chosen like Jacob's been chosen for good things, for his life to be worked out despite his actions. Maybe I'm like Esau. You ever feel like that? I think we all do if we're honest. We feel like that. Maybe I'm more like Esau than Jacob. I want you to feel what happens when, when Esau returns. Because this, I think this is how we feel a lot of times. It says, as soon as Isaac had finished the blessing, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his father, and Esau, his brother, has come in from hunting. He's excited. He knows he's about to receive the blessing. He went and he hunted. He got a great, I don't know, kind of animal, but he killed it, and he made a stew, and he's coming in, and he's ready to receive the blessing. He prepared the delicious food. He brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. I can't wait for this experience. My blessing is coming. Finally, after all these years, I've been living in the shadow of what happened so many years ago when I gave away my birthright for some stew, but I'm finally going to get the blessing. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. You told me to go get the animals and make the food. I'm back. Here I am. And Isaac trembled violently. And he said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came. And I blessed him. Yes, he shall be blessed. And you can feel what's happening in Isaac's mind and his, his heart, right? He says, as soon as he heard these words to his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and he said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. It's happened again to Esau. His brother stole the birthright, and now his brother has stolen the blessing. He was so excited. He came in. He thought it was his time. He thought it was his moment. He did exactly as his father had told him. He did it to a T. He got a great animal. He made the food. He came in. And his brother has deceived his father and taken the blessing. Again. <laughs> and in a last-ditch effort to receive something, he says, Father, can you, like, give me something? You know? I'll, I'll take anything. Give me a blessing. And Isaac does proclaim a destiny over Esau, but it's not a blessing. It must have been really difficult for Isaac to say these things to Esau because Esau is the son that he loves. He wanted to give him the blessing, but he knows he's already given it to Jacob. And so he has to speak truth to his son Esau, and it couldn't have been easy. And he says this, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling. And away from the dew of heaven on high, by the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. See, Esau receives an anti-blessing. It is the opposite of what Jacob has received. He has been promised to have a hard life. A really hard life. The question is, you know, do you ever feel like that? Like you're more Esau than Jacob, just missing out on your blessing. You see, clearly we see in the life of Jacob that God works in and he works through and he works despite our actions and our decisions, but you think to yourself, I know that's true, I believe it, or I want to believe it, but maybe it's not the case for me. Maybe it's just that's not how it's going to be 
for me, when you feel like this, what happens is insecurity begins to creep in your head and you look around at your current situation and you say, if I'm not Jacob, if I'm not chosen, maybe God isn't working in and through my decisions and maybe I'm not going to receive the kind of blessings that I desire and my heart is yearning for. And, and what happens is you kind of get into a state of panic. And then you begin to say, you know what? Well, then I'm going to create my own blessing, right? I'm going to manufacture my own good. Because I don't feel like God's on my side. And I don't feel like I'm Jacob. I'm more Esau here. And I don't want to have that kind of life. And so I'm going to do what I need to do to manufacture good for myself. This past week I was listening to a talk by Simon Sinek. Who knows who Simon Sinek is? Put your hand up if you know who he is. Okay. Have you seen the video on YouTube <laughs> where he talks about millennials? If you have not, I'm sure you have. It's like everywhere on Facebook. It's like it's got 14 billion views. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it seems like that. It seems like everyone shared him for like a month. He has like a 10-minute talk on millennials. He talks about uh, how boomers raised um, millennials. He talks about the workplace. He's uh, a very famous author and thinker. He has one of the most watched TED Talks. Uh, he's a brilliant thinker. He really is. And he had this talk that I was listening to this week, and it was entitled Find Your Greatness. Okay. And here's what he said. He has five things that you need to do in order to find your greatness. Another way of saying that, right, is to create your destiny or to manufacture good in your life, to get your blessing. How are you going to bargain for your blessing? How are you going to get blessings in your life? Here are five things that you can do. And I'm going to tell you from the, from the beginning, I agree with these five things because these are biblical values and virtues. These are good things he's going to say. Here's what he says. Number one, go after what you want, but don't get in the way of what other people want. Right? He's saying you are uniquely made, you have interest, you have abilities, you have talents, and you have desires to pursue something. Pursue it, run after it, go after it, but don't take advantage of people along the way. Don't be like Jacob, right? Jacob understands he's chosen by God and he's to receive the birthright and the blessing. Instead of allowing God to work in his life, he takes it at the expense of his brother. And he's looking to take advantage of his brother time and time again. So number one, go after what you want, but don't get in the way of other people. Number two, sometimes you're the problem, right? Which means that you have to take responsibility for your actions. This is a, another biblical value and virtue. Don't blame shift. Take responsibility for your actions and own up when you are the problem. Number three, take care of each other. This is one of the ways to find greatness is to take care of each other, meaning to accept help, and to give help, right? Which is a great example of so many of you have done today by bringing all these things for Puerto Rico and what happens in the life of our community time and time again of people caring for each other. Clearly a biblical value. Number four, he says, be the last to speak. Listen and respect other people and their opinions and their thoughts. And lastly, to be a person of humility even if you gain power. To be humble. To not feel as if you earn, you have earned and deserved a certain level of treatment by other people. People can't question you because of the power that you have earned in your mind. These are good reminders, right? These are not unique to him. He did not create these. Now, these are biblical values and virtues. You see them all throughout Scripture. And, and we see here, right, in the story of Jacob, the complete opposite, right? Jacob is not concerned with his brother Esau at all. Actually, he's looking to take advantage of the situation because he wants to get what he believes he deserves. He does not accept responsibility 
for his actions. He doesn't care for his brother. I mean, the idea of taking care of each other, he doesn't understand that at all. As we saw last week as well, he's looking to take advantage of the opportunity that, oh, Esau's hungry? Give me your birthright. There's no care. There's no help. He doesn't respect his father's thoughts and wishes. And then he's not a person of humility. He wants power and he wants position and everything that comes with that. But here's the problem. We have these five values and these five things and that you can kind of put on a post-it note or you can put on your phone and, and remember, okay, I'm going to try to do these five things to find your greatness that Simon Sinek has laid out that we see throughout the scripture. We understand that we don't want to be like Jacob, who is the complete opposite of that. But the problem is this. You can follow those five things that Simon Sinek lays out. But that doesn't guarantee that you're going to achieve whatever you have determined greatness is, right? It doesn't mean success, 100%. It's not a foolproof five-step plan. And so what happens is, is when you take these things, someone gives you five steps. I'm going to follow these five steps to achieve my own greatness, to create my destiny, to manufacture good for myself. And when it doesn't happen the way you want or in the time that you want, and you're not achieving what you think you deserve and blessings are not pouring out upon your life, the result is what? Insecurity and depression and a belief that God doesn't love you and he doesn't care. That's what happens. You tried, you did all the steps, you did everything you're supposed to do. It doesn't seem like anything is happening. So either I must be an inferior person. I'm not as strong and powerful and knowledgeable and brilliant as everyone else. I'm inferior to other people. Or I'm Esau. God does not want to pour out blessings on my life. See, Jacob should remind you that that's not the case, right? His actions were wrong. He, is not, he does not have stellar character. He actually did the complete opposite of those five values. He's the anti-Simon Sinek's find your greatness. And yet he is still blessed. And yet he is still receiving good things. But the opposite may be true of you, right? You may sit here and say, listen, I'm going to follow these five steps. And then I'm going to find my greatness, whatever that is. I'm going to find success. I'm going to feel as if good is coming to my life. And I'm going to receive blessings upon blessings. And the result is this. Pride, arrogance, and God becomes a passenger in the car that you're driving through life. Or maybe he's not even in the car. Because what do you think to yourself? I earned this. Right? I did the five things. I must be a really superior person. These things are mine. I have earned them. I deserve them. Which I, I, I don't know this, but I think this is probably what Jacob thought. Right? Man, I'm so smart. I killed the goats. I put the skin on. It was real gross. But I put the skin on, you know, because that's how Esau feels. I put the clothes on. Mom made the food, and it tastes just like his. I had it all perfectly planned out, and I got the blessing just like I got the birthright. And I am smart. I got it together. But from our vantage point, we know differently, right? We know the only reason that Jacob actually receives the blessing and the birthright is because God chose him, and God is, has a plan for his life that God is going to make happen regardless of what Jacob does. Regardless of how dishonorable he is, regardless of his deceptive ways, regardless of how he doesn't care for people in his family, regardless of how he thinks to himself, I'm going to do whatever I can to take this, God is going to work in and through 
all of his decisions and his actions to work out a good plan in his life. See, this is, this is what's true. We are all like Jacob and Esau. Every one of us in this room, we are bargaining for blessings, right? Maybe we're like Esau, where we're, we're going to follow the rules. We're going to do it, right? But we feel like we're always missing out. Like it's, we almost had it. We're just narrowly missing, and maybe God doesn't love us, and maybe there isn't going to be good in my life. Or we're like Jacob, where we think that we've earned these things. You know, it's because I'm superior. It's because I'm taking advantage of opportunities. But we don't only do it in, in life in terms of finding our greatness, whatever that is defined as. We do it in our relationship with God too, right? This happens all the time in our relationship with God. You think to yourself, you know, maybe if I read my Bible more, God will bless me. Maybe if I pray more, then God will give some good things into my life. You know, there's some things that I want and some things I really would like to see happen in my life. So maybe I need to prioritize church. Maybe I need to get in a community group. Maybe I need to start giving my money to the church. I, mean, I don't know. I'm going to put all these different things that I identify as really good Christian things to do. And I'm going to do them. And maybe if I do those things, pretty manufacture good, then God's going to be like, good job. Here you go. As if that's God's economy. So there, these are good things. All these things are good things. Prioritizing church, getting into a community group. Being generous with your time and your talent and your treasure. Reading the Bible, spending time in prayer with God. But God's economy is not a five-step program. It's not five steps, it's one step. God's favor comes through one step and one step alone. And it has nothing to do with us. I mean, absolutely nothing to do with us. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I'm going to read it to you. Here's what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? The favor of God is received through faith. Grace means undeserved favor. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You're not good. You're not special. It is given by God. There are no steps required because you can't earn it. It's undeserved. And then he says that for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God. So the question is, what's not of my own doing? What's, what's the gift? Well, it's faith. Isn't that interesting? The one step required to receive the grace of God is faith, which is not of your own doing. You're not super spiritual, which is why you chose God. You're not more righteous or more of a religious person. You're not more moral. You can't look at other people that maybe disbelieve and they don't understand and they're, they're of another persuasion or they have another faith background or they're an atheist or they're agnostic and you can't say, listen, I'm, I'm, I got it together. You know? I chose God because I'm really morally superior. I'm super spiritual. And you know, if you can just kind of like get to my level, then maybe you can one day receive God's grace through faith. No, no. Paul tells us that faith is actually given to you. The ability for you to understand the things of God and his love and his grace and forgiveness and the reality that Jesus has died for your sins and rose from the dead, to believe that, to understand that, for that to penetrate not just your mind in terms of knowledge, but your heart and to transform your life and the way that you understand God and your relationship with God, your relationship with people, what blessings mean, what greatness mean, all those things that change as a result of faith is actually given to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. 
He says, just so we're clear, your faith is not a result of works. It's not that you were good. It's not you did five steps. It's, it's simply given so that no one can boast. So that none of us can say, the reason that we're here, the reason that we believe these things is because we are of another spiritual level than other people. That's not true. God has poured out his grace and his favor upon you despite your actions, and the same is true of me. He has given me grace through faith because he's given me faith, and he's done the same for you. There is no bargaining for God's blessings. There is only receiving God's blessings. We cannot bargain for them. We can only receive them. And the result in your life is to be this, and this is what verse 10 helps us. When you understand that, when you understand that God's grace and his favor is given to you, and that faith is given to you, is not a result of your works, it's not because you're really good, it's not because you're superior to other people in any way, it's simply because God has chosen to pour out his, his love upon you, to open up your mind to receive what is truth about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. This is the result. You realize that you are his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that you should walk in them. Right? It says we, because we're to do that together. God has a destiny planned out for you, and it's ordained for you. He has a, a plan for your life, and it is good. And he is going to be faithful in that. And you cannot mess it up. You cannot alter it. You cannot change it with your good works or with your evil works. You cannot change it with your righteousness or with your sin. He has a plan in your life, and he is going to work it out for your good despite what you do. He's prepared these things for you. It's important to remember that, that God is not withholding blessings from you because of bad behavior. That is not true. You cannot do anything to not receive the blessings of God. And you also can't do anything to receive the blessings of God. He gives it to you. You can't create your own blessings apart from God working in your life. And the response here to God's grace is simply this. is to walk the path that God has laid out before you. It's to walk along it. Simon Sinek identified some of the ways that you can do that. I think that there's truth in what he said, that to be a person of humility, to accept responsibility for your actions, to, to kind of seek to understand how you've been uniquely created and the desires that God has given you, and to pursue those things, but not taking advantage of other people along the way. To be a person that listens and respects other people. And also, as he said, to take care of each other. And this is the beauty of the church. And this is why Ephesians 2 says we are created to be his workmanship. Because we are to do this together. Maybe ask yourself, you know, why do I come to church? Why, why am I even thinking about joining a community group? Why should I prioritize what happens here on Sunday evening? Because this is where you learn how to walk. We learn together. Because we are failed people. And we gather together in prayer, in worship, through music, surrendering to God's word. And we ask God to reveal to us together in community as we're looking to take care of each other. How are we supposed to walk this life? How are we supposed to journey through this life? What does it look like to respond appropriately to God's grace 
to not bargain for our blessings as if we can actually achieve them through our own doing, but to simply receive God's blessings and then to live the way that he's called us to live, which is walking in this life identified with that reality that we are saved by grace. That's how we're be people that live with that reality and that mindset. Not like Jacob, who was told that. He was told that he is chosen and loved by God. And he said, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to manufacture my own good. I'm going to create my own destiny. I'm going to find my own greatness. God was still faithful to him in that. But we're to walk differently. A quote on the front of your worship program says this. I think this is what we're to remember. How we're to think. It says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. 